Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Normally the way I start this, but I was listening to this, so I wanted to finish listening to it, so I figured I'd play it. I know it's selfish, but Bradley Cooper here. Are you happy in this modern world, or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? This is Stephanie. You know her as Lady Gaga, though. From the soundtrack of A Star is Born on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Something, boy. Aren't you tired trying to fill that void? Or do you need more? Ain't it hard keeping it so hardcore? I'm falling in all the good times I find myself longing. So happy uh, Christmas Eve to everybody out there. Yeah, how about that? And uh, kind of as a Christmas Eve surprise, the Mensa sisters are going to join me. Yeah, so they're going to join me here in a few minutes, and we're just going to talk about Christmas. Although Tim's got a book review he wants to do. So he will do a book review, and then we're going to talk about (laughs) how we spend Christmas. Um, So um, I had a chance after I got done doing post-traumatic winning yesterday to uh, talk to Jeff Kenny or hang out with him. Who did that and uh, fired up about that. And I went and had lunch in San Clemente, which is a pretty cool place. Hopefully, I'll move there in uh, the next few months. And um, once Colleen gets out of high school, my favorite city in California. So, um, yeah. And uh, so I had a chance to have lunch with Jeff yesterday. So, and today, uh, going to do a little, very little Christmas shopping today. Well, so drag Colleen out of bed here in about 45 minutes. And uh, actually, in about 54, 56 minutes, I'll drag her out of bed. And uh, we'll go do a little bit of Christmas shopping. So, the uh, so good morning to you. <coughs> the uh, Yeah, so they'll join me here in about 11 minutes. And, uh, and we'll talk Christmas stuff. <coughs> so... Uh, uh, I had a phone call with a friend of mine this morning, and um, you know it's something I talk about in post traumatic winning. Uh, you know, everybody doesn't have uh, a wonderful family, <laughs> and for a lot of people, the the holidays are are not easy. Uh, they're filled with a lot of tension. As people get together, uh, that though biologically related, if you didn't know that when you're in a room with them, uh, you'd be saying, "God." They don't like each other a whole lot, do they? Or why, when this got said, did it then, like, blow up? And so um, and so to uh, all of you people out there, uh, hang in there, okay? It was, uh, it's a, uh, 
it's not an easy time of the year for a lot of people. And uh, and then there's people that simply don't have families to go to. So um, I, the one thing I would tell you is be a little bit mindful of that. Reach out if you know people that aren't going home, or especially in this year when some people can't. Um, <clears throat> uh, make sure you reach out to them. Schedule a Zoom call or something to spread a little Christmas cheer. And, um, yeah, and just uh, spread it around a little bit. So, yeah, I'd offer that to you. Uh, just be mindful of that. Uh, um, the other thing I, I I ought to say is uh spent the last three days uh, going down to Camp Pendleton and doing post-traumatic winning for uh, 1st Battalion, 5th Marines. And, uh, and just want to say thank you. Uh, their battalion commander, their opso, um, just uh, huge believers in better leadership. And they see post-traumatic winning as, as a tool um, to hand their leaders. And the other part is, um, you know, really important information for Marines to know that there is a way through whatever whatever you have going. That, you know, our culture is uh, is full of people that have gotten through it. We just don't advertise it. And so that's what post-traumatic winning is. Post-traumatic winning is an advertisement uh, for that, uh, for that path and for that behavior that you have to embrace. And if you do, if you're willing to do that, then uh, then you can get through just about anything that life throws at you um, on this planet. So, uh, so that, uh, so no, but the, ex, you know, the experiences that I have doing it are just, uh, uh, hard to put into words. Uh, most days, uh, the, the young people that come up and want to talk, the old people that come up and want to talk, um, about, you know, their struggle in life and, you know, just, Wow. I didn't know. I said, yeah, you know, none of us did. And then uh, that's the cool thing about post-traumatic winning. So um, so just want to give a uh, a huge thank you to uh, Lieutenant Colonel Terrell and uh, Major Kincaid for, uh, for, you know, shoehorning this, in, this into their training schedule. And, uh, and going to change lives. And, uh, and so, uh, good on them, uh, in my opinion, uh, for doing that. And so, uh, so no, it's just been, uh, just been an absolutely uh, awesome week of doing that for me, um, being able to, you know, to, to meet all these people that come up and talk and, and, uh, and to spread this message that you can do it is, is pretty cool. So, uh, so good morning to you. Yeah, the Mensa sisters will join me in about six minutes, and we'll talk a little. We'll talk a little uh, Christmas cheer um, on this uh, on this Christmas of 2020. So uh, it's kind of Friday. So Whitney Houston sings the national anthem. Good morning to you. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to everybody else. Stop. 
And this is dedicated to, uh, you know, to the Marines and sailors of 1st Battalion, 5th Marines, uh, my old battalion. And I got a chance to do uh, uh, post-traumatic winning in front of my old company yesterday, which is Charlie Company. They call themselves Cherokee Company now. Um, so it's cool talking shit with those guys. And, uh, I mean, that was my home when I showed up as a second lieutenant. So, uh, no, just, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, again, God has blessed me with the opportunity to, to do this stuff. And, uh, it was really cool yesterday doing it with, uh, with, uh, leaders of the first battalion, fifth Marines and also the Marines and sailors of that organization. So this is dedicated to them. Thank you very much, men and women, boys and girls, young, young and old. <laughs> betraying your whole life if you don't say what you think and you don't say it honestly and bluntly what keeps you awake at night nothing i keep other people awake at night for this campus had prepared him well <clears throat> i'm very confident that thank you very much <clears throat> if this was vodka it'd be a lot better speech <clears throat> wait for it wait for it wait for it <clears throat> But I'm not supposed to glamorize alcohol anymore. So, young folks, you ignore what I just said. Awesome. We just have to execute. And we are executing every day. And Sergeant Major and I are very proud of what you do. Doesn't mean we can't get better. We don't. We don't want to make a mistake to learn. We don't want to lose to learn. We cannot lose if we have to go fight. We cannot we lose. Marines did here 75 years ago. Persevere against difficult challenging conditions and odds to win. You gotta win. Alright, time to check the time to check the weather and then uh we will get the geniuses on here in one second. So, currently raining in Quantico, 54 degrees. Down the coast, it's warmed up in North Carolina. Partly sunny and 69 at Camp Lejeune. 29 palms, sun and 40. Camp Pendleton, partly sunny and 59. Camp Smith in Hawaii, dark cloudy 71. Okinawa, Dark cloudy 67. Darwin, dark cloudy 79. And in Norway, dark, clear, and 30. At the home of Ballmer Radio, mostly cloudy and 52. Looking for a high of 70 today, 70 tomorrow on Christmas, 64 on Saturday, 62 on Sunday, and 58 on Monday with a 50, 55% chance of rain. So that is a look at your weather. <clears throat> let me assemble, right? Uh, let me assemble the geniuses here. And you can hear what it sounds like. This is William Costantini. 
William is unavailable. No, I'm here. Oh, well, you're on, so don't say yeah. anything really, really gifted, okay? All right. All right. There you have it. That was code for don't step on your own ear. Tim Lynch is joining us now. Timothy, how are you? Or not? Skype audio. He's muted. It wasn't me. Timmy? Yep, I'm here. All right. So there you have it. You're on the air, so mind what you say. Yes, sir. All right. And then also, a man who I had lunch with yesterday. And I had a, I don't know, I, I can't remember the name of the place. It was whatever the name of the place was, a That Burger. And <clears throat> Jeff Kenny. Jeff Kenny had a vodka tonic, I think. Hey, Jeff, you're on the air. Yes. All right. <clears throat> you had a vodka. Good. You had a vodka tonic yesterday. What did you have for lunch? I had a vodka tonic. Well, you had a hamburger. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, but it had lime in it. So yeah, I you're right. So you had one of the major food groups, two of the major food groups, <laughs> booze being the other, uh, yes. as part of your lunch. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, we're on to talk Christmas. But before we do, um, I'm going to like kind of go out of order um, so the Nightingale doesn't get to go first right now. Um, Damn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Timmy uh, has a review of Bing West book. I know. Hey, you you should take your blood pressure medication right about now. Okay, go I'm, ahead. I'm gonna have another vodka. First. <laughs> okay. Another? Yeah. <laughs> the um Timothy. All right. First off, I don't think it's a book. I think it's a movie script for crying out loud. I couldn't put the damn thing down. He does an excellent job of weaving together a lot of the things that we've talked about over the years. And throws in Vietnamese uh, sappers, not communist Vietnamese, guys that got sons of the guys that we screwed over who are, who are all about paying us back. It's hysterical. But he clearly said, well, he didn't. He said in an interview with Mac that he've got, he's got composite characters, that these are all composites of people that he has. And, and, uh, and I'm interested because I got some guesses. But I don't have the knowledge of you three. I I would love to, to to hear what you thought after you read it. Give you a hint. Centcom Deputy CG's name is Paul Killian, Lieutenant General. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right, Tim, Timmy's, but you want to Timmy's you charter can, in you the can black clearly helicopter. see who's talking about certain people as certain characters come in. But the way he weaves this thing all together was masterful. I couldn't put the damn thing down. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Masterful, Jeffrey. Yes, I heard that word. And uh, I think... Hold on. I, I the, reason, I was... the reason I wanted him to do this book is just a, as a Christmas Eve present to you. To, uh, it, so I could get it also. <laughs> I wonder if he's got a composite character, the guy, the lieutenant colonel who's yelling at him in the LZ and in, uh, in Osmar up in northern Kunar province, with, uh, which I have a picture of. I'll share with you guys. Here, my, my my interpreter took my my Tajiman Habibi took the picture. But uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Tim, I'll read that fucking book. Absolutely. Uh, do you want, hey, hey, so, I'm, hey I'm, do you want my copy of it? That way. You don't have to compromise yourself morally and spend money on it because if you're in love, I've he's, not, I've, spent, I've he's not, not spent money on a book in years. That's true, <laughs> but and, and and that's true. Yeah, let's not as as far as me compromising my morality. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> I'm I've gone down that road and around that bend. So, you know. so all right, then I then I won't drop so, the, then I won't so drop the book, book off. So this book is advertised as fiction. Yes. So it's different in that all his other books, all his other were books fiction. were advertised as nonfiction, but actually were fiction. This is so Will. This, this is Will. More this is Will, right? Ministering to Jeff right now. This is. Put, no, this is right. Will putting. You got to explain <laughs> explain what you guys are talking about, referencing the author in question. William. Well, it's just that no, he right here. He, Go ahead. Go ahead. Wh whoever's talking, go ahead. That's Will. 
Yeah, I just I just say his other books were fiction. Whoa, yeah. whoa. Every mm-hmm. other book he wrote was fiction. Whoa, whoa. Yeah, I tell you about that. Or I, other people would call it. Yeah, when I, when I first carried the ring for people would just say lies. Oh, right. Yeah. Whoa. That's another. That's the. That's the Catholic Here I tee up this version. wonderful review of the book, and now we're going to do this on Christmas Eve. Well, can I tell you a little bit about personal experience? <laughs> of, of course, Jeffrey. Well, the first book I read with this guy was when I first came in the Marine Corps. I was in Tehran, and it was a uh, small unit in action in Vietnam, 1960, summer 1966. Right. And it was like seven or eight vignettes of uh, Marines fighting in Vietnam, including the one where Jimmy Howard, the platoon sergeant from first recon battalion trapped on Hill 488 and Charlie one five coming to get him. My, and com- then my company. Right. And then a, and then a subsequent battle with one five battalion battle where they um, were moving a contact. They ran to NVA regiment. And my my, bata- my battalion who I was with yesterday, along with my old company yesterday. How about that? I- irony That's of irony. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So anyways, uh, my NCYC was in those, he was in, in two of those fights, you know, as a Lance Corporal and then a Corporal. And he says, the, the, the date's accurate, and some of the stuff that happens accurate, but a, a lot of it's just not so. You got wrong people doing, doing stuff, he's got, you know, the name's wrong, and he, uh, you know, he's making, co- you know, uh, he made some other, you know, uh, he, he put together some other, uh, you know, things that just didn't happen, according to my, to the guy who kicked me in the balls, Gunny Step, right? So that guy never bullshitted, ever. You know, he never exaggerated. He was just a, he was, it was like a guy always giving a salute report to you, you know? You're fucked up, you know, uh, at this location, in this uniform at this time, you know? And uh, that's how he was. And so then, you know, so I thought, well, you know, whatever. And, um. So, but I always read his other books, like The Village and stuff, with a John Desai because he said that. And then when we get into well, OIF let me one, if, if I could if I could interject, I mean, this is the role. This is what S.L.A. Marshall did, right? Oh yeah, and he was a he was a propag- he was a fantasist too. Just but like, nobody, uh, but what? most people did not know that, right? I mean, and and he's outed later as somebody who until used, Hackworth, right? He as somebody who uses some elements of a story and then with his own narrative to write a piece of what people call faction, right? Yeah. Right. That's right. Use a little bit of truth. Hey, every, every liar knows you try and stick as close to the truth as you can. So you won't forget it. Every good, and, li- uh, every good liar. Right. So like, and, and like professor, uh, William Clinton and his crew, they were mad. I mean, John Podesta said, you know, you got to tell the truth slowly. You know, th- there's an art to it, to lying. And um, and I think those two guys, SLA Marshall and Bing West, you know, they, they tell a, a little bit or like half the truth. And then they stick in what their what their opinion is, you know, through, you know, fantasy characters and just flat out baloney. So I'm going to read this book. And that's my opinion. And also based on stuff he did in an OIF one accusation he made about first L.A.R., and uh, and also uh, stuff that I just saw myself in RC East in 2009 regarding the, uh, the disaster at Ganjagal. You know, it's just, uh, you know, I just, I got a bad, I, I, st- I just don't have a very good opinion of the guy. Right. You know, that happens, uh, you know, what, you know, Will and Jeff were talking about. That happens a lot with guys who try to write accounts of, you know, what happened. And, and the first thing people take them on are is their facts were wrong. The dates yeah. are wrong. The people that are there are wrong. And uh, so um, be wary, all you potential authors out there. So I never I, heard I have to complain. add something. Okay. Can I add something? Yes, yeah. yes, Timothy. Yeah, yeah. Jeff has told this to Mr. West. This is not, I, And I think it's important everybody understands this. This is not a surprise. It's not going to be a surprise to, to, to him. They've had this conversation. And I think it's important people understand that. At least they think we're talking out of school. Yeah, Jeff is not, for those of you who don't know, Jeff is not good at disguising what he feels. <laughs> and he certainly is not good at holstering his tongue. And so if you're around him and you see him twitching and turning green, something is about to, something is about to happen. And he's fighting his own inner voice of discretion is the better part of valor. To which the response is, fuck discretion, Valor always trumps, and away we go. So there you have it. Let's talk about Christmas. 
What's that? Hey, 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 what, Timmy? I just was going to add, there's no composite character that has anything to do with Jeff. I, I don't I don't recognize anybody <laughs> in that book that, that has a kind of finesse, other than a hero and his tactical ability at shooting people, because Jeff has uh, made that a fine art. Finesse? Did than, you say finesse? Other than that, no. Finesse. Nice, nice. Okay, here's and another. I would, I, would also, I, would, no, I would say just one more thing on this. You know, I've known Jeff since 1988, and the word discretion would never come to anywhere in my mind. So, in fact, your relationship starts with that as he and ins- <laughs> he incites an insurrection against the, the second lieutenants that were calling you sir. I know dis- discretion's like when you're prejudiced against people, right? So I don't have any. Of that. Oh wait, that's discrimination. Damn it! I hate when I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here's a little quiz for all you, uh, you know, two-thirds of the panel here of the Mensa sisters uh, are, have served uh, as United States Navy uh, personnel. So here's a question for you. What is the second oldest ship, the second oldest ship in the United States Navy? USS Constitution. What's the first oldest? Yeah, that's the oldest. Oh, yeah, that's the Constitution. What the hell was it? The Constitution. The Constitution is. It's a frigate that's up in Baltimore. Hold on. The Constitution is the oldest ship in the Navy. It's the old, iron, old Ironside. Old that's Ironside, old yes. What's the second oldest? 76 years old. Any idea? Jeffrey? 76 Rain, years old? 76 years old. Wow. Rain, Rain Man? Oh, yeah. It's got to be. Is it the, uh, the Intrepid? Nope. Negative. You're out. Timothy? Okay. Lexington? Negative. William? A graduate of the United States Navy. years old? A graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Is, it, uh, is there a, a, there's a ship in the Navy Yard that's, that never sails. They do uh, retirements on it. Is that it? I don't know the name. It's Could a, be the Barnstable County. It's got to be. It is a oh, it's a dry dock named the Dynamic. Seventy six years old. Whoa! I thought Will Will was headed down that road. I thought he was going to like become the undisputed heavyweight champion of all things inane in the world, but uh, it was not to be. Um, talk. Let's talk about Christmas. Um, how many times have you been deployed for Christmas, Jeffrey? Holy shit, man! Most it seems. Um, I would say, um, uh, I would say, twelve times. Twelve times, okay. Starting with my, starting with nineteen seventy six, and then seventy seven, seventy eight, and then yeah, and then a bunch of fucking times. And um, we left uh, on the float. Me and Will did when I was a second lieutenant on New Year's Eve. So we made Christmas that time. But yeah, the next time I missed it was desert. Was you know during Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and Liberia, and all that. But uh, yeah, so I don't. I mean, it's got to be at least, at least half, almost half, because I got forty-one years. So, um, yeah, a, a bunch of times, more often than not, it seemed. But I don't know. Got it. Got it. Tim, how many times did you miss Christmas? Well, four times in, in twenty years as a, as a, as a Marine, and then you add five on top of that. I've missed nine Christmases uh, being overseas. Got it. Will, how about you? Believe it or not, I think I was only deployed once. And then I was in, and then once uh, with, when I was working for the ACMAC, we were over there in Afghanistan for Christmas. So, I, I mean, I wasn't home for Christmas, but it ain't the same. But I think I was deployed one time, deployed to the Med when Bosnia was kicking off. Yeah, because we were in and around the Adriatic that year. So that's it. Two out of twenty-eight. Got it. Any? Uh, um, I was, I think, twice. Once on the Ranger, and uh, as the descendant of John Paul Jones, in case you don't know, um, and that is a. Uh, and then the other one in Afghanistan in two thousand ten, eleven. Any great memories of Christmas while you're deployed, Jeffrey? Yeah, Christmas of two thousand twelve. Um, Sparky got us booze. Um, and, uh, <laughs> not much, you know, but that's a, you know how they, every once in a while you like, you'd be mod locked for a long time 
you know, you get a couple of beers, but uh, explain, explain, so, explain, <laughs> mo- explain, mod lock to everybody. Like usually when you're on, you, like, when you're on ship and you can't leave like a place. That, I'll tell you, mod lock was a a, a a common thing in the '80s in the Persian Gulf, and then again, like I think Will's Mew that he went on um, after me, they were mod or before me, they were mod locked off of uh, Bosnia. And the guys before them, and I think the guys before them too. So, you know, we were the first Mew uh, in the in the mid '90s to not be mod locked. You know, uh, from like '90, I think it was '94, '95, all the way up to '96. So, uh, but mod locks, you're stuck there. And usually, if you're there for a long time, they may, you know, come up with a, but, a couple beers. But so, but Sparky got permission from General Gerganis, and we had a highly supervised um, shot and two beers thing. And, uh, which is, just, just so everybody knows, is a naval tradition. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so, uh, yeah. And, and so that was a, that was a pretty good one. And then I had great Christmas in Iran, but that was that's a whole different story. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's not really a you know that's not really a, a, a Christmas yeah. theme type event. It was a different kind of event. Yeah. Right. It's a party. <laughs> yeah. All right, Tim. Any great memories of Christmas overseas? Sure. Brooke Shields kissed me on national TV at the during the Hope Christmas special in 1983. <laughs> what? Filmed aboard the USS Guam. Oh, yeah. The Guam. I, I remember Holy that. Shit, yeah, there was uh, 1983. I, I, I remember that. Uh, I got Ann Jillian gave me a big, long hug after she found me ministering to a guy in the ICU that that uh that was a long story that's a whole different story but but yeah no i've met bob hope and all those guys we had a it was a hell of a good time and we got two beers to boot boom oh jeff little did, little did she know that guy had to clap your mister yeah exactly <laughs> he was a good guy though he was a good guy yeah, yeah. the clap happens what um wow do you have a picture of that tim yeah, yeah, I got a. I well, the T. I don't. I used to have a V a VHS of the of the of a TV thing. I've got a picture of me and her and Miss USA, and Angelian. But uh, you know, I, I it was it was interesting. But it was a long Christmas Eve because I kind of uh, I had a I had an incident. It was. It, it, I've explained it to you once, but I, I'll, I'll real quick I'll, I'll tell you, we had a guy come in. I think maybe five days before who was a photographer, uh, um, excuse me, a, a, a journalist, a Marine Corps journalist, a, a sergeant off the New Jersey who was flying in to do a story about whatever on the in the in the airport, and the pilots flying them in could have sworn somebody shot an RPG at him and they dumped their collective and hit the damn tail rotor on their tarmac, and a piece came through and took off a piece of the kid's hand and, and one of his, one of his, a good put of a foot, hit him two places, and they just... So they flew, they flew him out there. We didn't know what was going on when we came down because we never knew. We just get, you know, casualties inbound and we're cutting all the shit off him. I could see his hands. I had no idea what's going on. And I take off his other boot and I go, holy shit. And everybody goes, what? I said, look, his feet are clean. His toes are, what the hell is this? And I asked the guy, I said, are you gay or something? Why is your feet so clean? Because we never saw that. I was just trying to get his hand off of being freaked out and whatnot. But it, yeah. it kind of stuck and he was real depressed about it and he couldn't see Brooke Shields, and I told him, that he asked if they're going to come up and see him. I said, well, they'll see second best the machine gunner because he got, she got, he got taken around up a leg as he was dueling some Syrian bastard. And, and, and you know, he, uh, at the time, we weren't medevacking those kind of wounds home. So he's just laying there till his wounds, his leg got better. I said, they'll see him because he got shot, but you got hit by a, you just had a shitty pilot kind of hurt you inside <laughs> your gay. And he, and he, and he started crying because I, to the gay stuff, I guess they caught on and everybody was teasing him and I, I didn't mean anything by it. So I moved him into, I said, I'm going to hook you up. I moved him in the ICU and I, I put bandages on his head and threw some blood on it because I got the lab. I just take a unit of blood and put, so I get them all and I put a mask on him, uh, oxygen mask, but I don't hook the oxygen up to the to the system because that's it takes the doctor's orders and the ICU has an illegal washer and dryer in the head that we ran whenever there were no patients because we never allowed our, our, got our clothes back from ship's laundry. So so the, there's lint coming through the damn place. It's just hot as hell because our dryer's going 24-7. And he's sitting there, and Brooke Shields comes in and looks and recoils. And But Ann Jillian comes. I didn't think about this because I'm sitting on this big thing with a little – and she says, is he going to make it? I said, nah, he's, he's not going to make it. And I make some bullshit story up about him wrestling some kids out. In the, and, all this, and, and she starts stroking his head and talking to him. 
I hadn't thought about this, you know, because the guy gets an erection, a big, huge erection, goes right up through the fucking sheet, and he can't breathe because there's lint clogging up the end of the stupid uh, oxygen mask, which is just laying on the floor. I was like, oh, shit. So I try to get her out of there saying, oh, I, he's got a priapism. Don't, we're going to get him out of here. But the ship surgeon comes by and looks in and goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I had to, oh, it's awful. So it wasn't the best Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas Eve, but it was memorable. I'll tell you, Big West, because, uh, proud of you, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, they really, they, they, they couldn't get too upset with me. And when I laid it all out, except for yeah. they said, you know, when you started the gay shit, I, was, I saw you. That's what the, the Master Chief said. Master Chief was fucking pissed at me. But they let it go. <laughs> what the? Yeah. That is, okay, just great. so everybody knows. So when you're a leader in the Marine Corps, you hear those kind of stories on a regular basis, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? Your exo comes in and says, hey, sir, you're not going to believe this. And then the only thing that you hear in 50% of these stories was, so, sir, we were minding our own business drinking, right? Yeah. That's the other half of it. Um, oh, yeah. Wow. And none damn. of that on this one. But they couldn't keep a straight face. It was. It was I, I was kind of scared because I thought they were going to screw me. Yeah, no kidding. What an idiot. Will, Will, did you have a good Christmas story being deployed? Well, yeah, before I tell one, so when I was at Navy, I think at the end of plebe year, Bob Hope brought the whole show in there. And it was Bob Hope, Bernadette Peters, Christy Brinkley, and Brooke Shields. Whoa. But Brooke Shields had to be like 16 or 17 at that time. Right. And you think Brooke Shields is good looking until Christy Brinkley comes down <laughs> onto the stage. And she looked like a 16-year-old girl. Um, so when when we were when we were in the Adriatic, you know, this is when Bosnia was, was kicking off. So it's late fall of 95 into winter – uh, turn of the year 96. And so I was on, uh, I was on Whidbey Island. I was here with troops on Whidbey Island. And I think we had Kearsarge, but it may have been Wasp yeah. was out there. So those guys were stuck out there for, you know, 29 days out of 30. Whereas Whidbey Island and I, the other ship, Bill Mullen was on the other ship was the LPD. I forget what it was. We'd be going in and out of port. And so that week at Christmas, I think, that we went into Bari, Italy, which is way down on the boot. Uh, we pulled into Bari, Italy, and I think we were there Christmas Eve and maybe Christmas Day. And uh, Bari, was, it was sort of a nice town, some good restaurants and whatnot. Uh, then we went back out, and we thought we were going to be stuck out there for a while. But then we pulled in. Will has a connection issue. To, uh, Damn. I wanted to hear what he was going with that. No, I'm hanging on the store on you right now. Yeah. Can Wait, you hear me? I can hear you now. Yeah. Can you? Yes. Okay. So so we, we went up to Venice and it snowed in Venice on Christmas Eve. And so I was out in St. Mark's Square in Venice on Christmas Eve, thinking we're going into Bosnia next week. And there was this. Oh, he's doing that on purpose, man. This is a he's good story. To, he's try, he's trying to massive. <laughs> pretty cool. So, hold on, hold on. You were in St. Mark's Square? And... Yeah, we're in St. Mark's Square. Okay. And it snowed, and there was a massive snowball fight between a bunch of Marines and just people on New Year's Eve in St. Mark's Square in 1995, <laughs> turning New Year's 1996. Wow. That's yeah, that is, that's a that's great cool. story. We, um, when I was in Afghanistan in 2010, 2011, our ops chief and assistant ops chief in the S3, uh, they threw a Christmas party, and it was totally unexpected. And they they rounded up all this shit. I don't even know. I don't know where they got it. And they they everybody had everybody got a present. But um, you know when you're when you're gone like that, and all of a sudden you know this thing kind of happens. You know they they everybody kind of got together for a little bit. Um, 
you know, and, uh, you know, Dave Furness is there, Chris Bronzy, um, all these different guys who, you know, I was there with and, uh, they're great guys. And, and, uh, but it just happened kind of, uh, unbeknownst to us, they'd put this, they'd planned this and put this thing together. And it was just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just really cool. Almost something out of like kind of white Christmassy that you see, um, you know, you're, you're there for so long with them. We were there for a year and, uh, you know, and, and now you're celebrating Christmas together. And, uh, you know, just, uh, it was, uh, yeah, completely unexpected. And we had a Christmas tree uh, that Susan sent me. And uh, we put it up in our, uh, in, our, in our hooch. So if you can imagine a Quonset hut, but it's kind of made out of rubberized canvas now, modern, uh, with a wooden floor. And there's wood partitions up. People have rooms. And that's where you live for a year, sleeping on a cot. At the end of the hallway, you came through the, the door. At the end of the hallway was the Christmas tree. And uh, and we, there was bulbs on it. And everybody wrote the names of their kids on the, on the bulbs. And, 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 and the Christmas tree was that. That that wound up being our, like, nightlight because we never turned the lights on in there because there was normally somebody sleeping during the day because they were up all night or something like that. And so... Uh, so I still have some of that stuff from that Christmas tree. Um, so, yeah. So was, you know what? What? Me and Jeff had uh, had dinner together on Christmas Eve in uh, 2009 in, in Jalalabad. And Jeff, Jeff, Jeff turned me over to the uh, chaplain and gave me like 80, 80 pounds of Starbucks. It was awesome. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. carrying that shit out. Yeah, remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was our Afghan fob. Uh, yeah. Camp Yui. Yui, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. What are What are your plans for this Christmas? I mean, uh, a little bit different. Uh, but uh, Jeffrey, what are you doing for Christmas? Well, um, today and tomorrow we're we're here in San Clemente, and uh, we're gonna we got a bunch. Well, Lori got a bunch of chow with uh, with Max, her you know her second oldest kid, and uh, so we're gonna have those him and uh, the two step kid, the two twins live next door to us. We're gonna kind of have Christmas. Then on the twenty sixth. I'm going to go to Colorado and hook up with uh, my three sons. Uh, uh, two of them live in Colorado. Nick, the middle one, he works for Boeing in South Carolina. He's he's probably arriving there now. He, he has to drive because his his companion is his dog, a wiener dog named Marvin. And uh, he won't go anywhere without Marvin. So we're all going to uh, rendezvous there for a couple of days, and I'll come home probably Tuesday. Marvin? In, in defiance of this Stay at home order from all these sons of bitches in charge of blue states. Yeah. So. Well, Doctor Burks is resigning, by the way. Yes, I'm, she's <laughs> even though even though hey, her trip was certainly necessary. She has announced <laughs> she's announced her retirement. Um, Tim, what are you doing for Christmas? Well, we're not we're not going anywhere, and my wife has this thing about uh, cooking rather extravagant meals in the holidays, so. She'll do that tomorrow, and then tomorrow afternoon, I'm gonna go haul a good bit of that over to uh, one of my marine buddies, who's uh, who's got like uh, all of his kids coming over, and he's in, he's not gonna be able to, to to handle the load as far as cooking goes. So we're essentially cooking for one of my friends and his kids. But yeah. uh, my wife just loves to cook, so we'll have a we'll have a good a good meal, and we'll hook up another buddy that uh, was need a little bit of help, and that's uh, that's pretty much the holiday. William, what are you doing for Christmas? Yeah, so my uh, my son and his girlfriend are here, and one of my daughters and her husband are here. So wow. we'll just—they all got here in the last couple of days, and they'll stay till Sunday. And uh, you know, family Christmas. It's seventeen degrees outside, so we won't be doing anything outside. Uh, and we have we have a little we have some tradition around holiday meals. Um, so it'll be good. What is the, give me, can you share with us the tradition? Is it too personal? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So what do you do? So, uh, Chris, Christmas Eve. Um, so my grandfather was one of like six or eight kids and Christmas Eve was always one of the biggest of the year for them. And one year when he was a kid and you know, they lived in tenements in Lower East Side, New York city. And they're poor people. They didn't have anything in their house. They had stale bread and dried beans. Yep. And so instead of the biggest meal of the year, they put beans on bread, and that's what they ate. 
And every year now, since then, start Christmas Eve dinner with that. You know, and they figure that was over 100 years ago now. Uh, you think of where those poor people were back then to where we are today. Uh, and then we always, uh, we always have a big lasagna on Christmas. And there's different things that go into the lasagna that uh, between my father, my wife, my brother, there's always a discussion about who's doing the lasagna right <laughs> or the meatballs the right size and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we do, Christmas Eve and Christmas. What a great – you know what? That's a great immigrant story. You know what I mean? Of your and to pass yeah. it on to pass it on to your kids to pass along to their kids. I remember Colleen was um, Colleen was uh, in New York City on a trip with I think when she was a sophomore, and she said, "Hey, Dad, we're going to Ellis Island. You know, do we have you know relatives there?" I said, "Yeah, you're." You know, your great-great-grandfather came to Ellis Island, John, no middle, middle initial, McNamara, in 1914. And she found and she found him. You know what I mean? And wow. so, I, I, you know, those, those connections for kids who look at Ellis Island like a historical event, and all of a sudden they have a connection to it, like this, and Will, the per, very personal way that, that that connection comes alive in your home on Christmas Eve. I, I love that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I'm going to spend it. Uh, Susan lives about a mile from me. And so we'll, uh, I mean, we still are, are, are very good friends in spite of our divorce. And we'll spend uh, Christmas Eve. We'll have spaghetti, I think, tonight with with uh, Catherine and Colleen. And uh, the boys are both the boys are both on the East Coast, so they'll be doing their own thing. We'll do a Zoom call with everybody in the morning on Christmas. And then... Uh, and then we'll, I guess we'll open presents. And then I'm going to have, uh, I, you guys heard the story of a Marine who walked up to me and said, uh, uh, I was going to kill myself this weekend, right. uh, but I'm not, but I'll have lunch with him tomorrow and uh, maybe, bring, right. maybe bring him back for dinner. So, uh, so yeah, Christmas, uh, Jeff, what do you want for Christmas? I want a bicycle. I got the same wish I wanted like when I was 11, man. I want a, I want a bicycle. Not too many gears because that confuses me, that shit. Just so I can pedal my fat ass around the block here because it hurts too much to run anymore. Got it. So you want a bike. Tim, what do you want? Like you guys were saying the heavyweight champion of this or that. I'm the heavy – I'm – I'm or the – the uh, you said the, the, the undisputed. I'm not the champion or anything, but I am now an undisputed heavyweight, and I don't like it. <laughs> Tim, what do you want for Christmas? I probably won't get it, but what I want is a six-five Creedmoor. It, oh, uh, I'd, I'd love to get one of those rifles. <laughs> Timmy, I got no. one. You got to get one. No, no, I, I, I know you do. I'm, I'm jealous. I, I'm jealous, jealous, jealous. But yeah, I definitely want one. I, I, and I, but I think I'm gonna have to wait. Uh, save, uh, wait probably till next Christmas. <laughs> All right. Will, what do you want for Christmas? You know, I used to want domestic tranquility, but I got that now. So, um, I, 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 that, that actually, Jeff, that actually came from Joe Rutledge. He would pray for that every day. <laughs> and he never – actually, he always Um. Yeah, I tell you, well, you know, in 2020, I lost my job. I had COVID and I had cancer. So I just don't want to repeat. That's all, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, man. 2020 pretty much sucked, I think. Hey, well, let me ask you this, Will. Uh, 2019, you lose your wife, right? Um, do you have any advice? I mean, that's, you know, since you mentioned it, I don't, uh, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> You, you've been you've been walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you have any advice for people? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's still there. Last Christmas was much harder uh, than this one, obviously. Uh, it was the first one. And, you know, every time you turn around, my wife was there there from decorating your Christmas tree to making dinner to whatever. And she's still here. But it, it's not. Uh, uh, it's it. It was a slap last year. It's a little bit different this year. 
Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm in, I'm in a very good place. I think compared to a lot of people out there, uh, and that I'm pretty well self-sufficient. Um, and, uh, I'm reasonably self-aware and I don't drink a lot. And, uh, so I think you can get in trouble uh, if you're not self-sufficient and you're not self-aware and you like to drink, you know, any one of those things. And I think you can spiral pretty rapidly. And uh, so the fact that I, at least I don't think I have, um, I, I put to that. And the other thing is, you know, I got, um, I got good people. I got good uh, you know, people that you care about, people that care about you. Uh, and I would just tell people that if you know someone that's that's had sort of significant life trauma, um, you know, if you send them a card or you call them, it actually matters. I mean, at least it mattered to me. I don't know about other people, but it mattered to me. Still matters to me. Uh, so uh, wouldn't wouldn't wish a lot of people to have to deal with it. But I also feel like I, I, I'm in a different situation than a whole lot of people. So dealing with this stuff this year was really not that big a deal. Last year was different. But this year was, you know, it's life. Life's a contact sport. So um, you get some bruises. But I'm not, I'm not traumatized by this year whatsoever. So wow. not, not the events of my life. Right. I'm traumatized by other things out there, but not this stuff. <laughs> the um, wow. No, you know what? I uh, it's interesting because uh, there's a there's an audio clip that I have that I play of General Neller, um, and I, 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 I he came on my show probably three times when he was commandant, and um, you know when 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 the commandant comes on, you know the you know you know his aide or whatever hops on before and says hey mac you know he's got a hard out at this because we've got to walk down the hall that's going to take us six minutes and the meetings at this time and you know he'll make a head call and all blah 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 all right, all right. so watching the clock and i had like two minutes left so it's like it's not like you can really ask him anything of substance so uh i said hey sir final question if you could give Mar marines one piece of advice what would it be and yeah and so um you can't hear Jeff, but um, I can. Um, uh, and I said, and he said, uh, stop drinking. And and I, it surprised me. And I said, I'm kind of surprised. And he said, if you could see what I see as a commandant of the Marine Corps, the number of vehicle accidents, both motorcycle and just Marines, the number of careers ended, the number of families destroyed. He said, virtually every large incident that I deal with starts with we were either in the barracks drinking or I was at home drinking and um, you know and but it's you know for a organization that was born in a bar and uh, join the Marines see the world as code for we're gonna go to Thailand and the med and we're gonna be in strip bars all night and it is they are the tales that spin the minds of young men um, and it is the way we deal with trauma we, we numb ourselves with alcohol. And so uh, I think, Will's the words, I mean, they're certainly near and dear to me because I see it uh, on a regular basis. And so, uh, so, yeah, it's one of the things we do. Even if you, if you, if you are self-aware, when you dump alcohol on top of it, uh, most of that shit tends to go out the window. So. Hey, man, can I do a contrary view? No. You're going to love it. <laughs> No, I don't accept. No, contrary. no, no. I don't the, accept the, contrary the first, views the, to that. The, the first time they ever studied alcohol consumption patterns in America, alcoholism was in the fifties, was in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and they specifically studied two groups of peoples, Italian and Irish. They measured all their 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 the consumption of alcohol, where they consumed it, circumstances, what have you. The Italian consumption of alcohol was dramatically higher than the Irish. But they had no issues within with with alcohol related problems because it was all 
to, it was wine. all homemade wine basically consumed by the entire family in a family environment. And after the meal was over, the wine was put away and they drank a lot of it. But that was how they drank it versus men going down to a bar drinking whiskey until there's chit face. I, I think it's connections. Will's, Will's maintained strong connections all his life. And that gives you a little bit of buttress. And I don't know anybody who's gone through life maintaining strong connections, no divorce, no trauma like that in his life. I've never known a guy like that that drinks a lot. Just had to tell you. Wait a minute. Say that again. You don't know anybody I, I, that I doesn't have a, a lot of trauma in their life that drinks a lot? No, no, no. I don't know a guy that's gotten through life maintaining his primary relationships primary. Okay? No divorce or anything like that. Right, right. Always maintaining his connections, which Will works very hard at, and I know because I've seen it. I've never known a guy like that to drink a lot. I, I I think it's the lack. I'm not, I'm all I'm saying is it's the lack of connections. It's not the amount you're drinking. It's the context in which you're drinking. It's the lack of connections that make it hard. My kids are in Australia, so when I was when I was homeless, uh, I was alone. There wasn't a whole lot of there, there wasn't anywhere to go, and and that that lack of connection in in my mind is semi lethal. And and, uh, and I think that we'll. As to how he's how he's maintained his uh, uh, his focus on life, I think he's inoculated himself a little bit. I'm proud of him. My hats off onto my hats off to him. I, I think it's phenomenal what he's done and how well he's done. But I just wanted to point that out because it's context and that that I think is important. Connections are key. Well, I, I don't I don't doubt. Again, I don't dis, not that I disagree with you, Tim. But yeah. I know people that have. Had, had, had connections with people and they drank and slowly but surely they destroyed those connections. Ken Rogers was one of them and, and, and he'll tell you that slowly but surely he ran everybody out of his fucking life because of his alcohol habit. And he started, sure. with, he started with a lot of connections. So, so, um, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, but, but Ken Rogers now, I think the way that he relates to life and whatnot would be very similar to the way the world does. Right. He's, he's, well, built that sta- hey. he's built that stable platform. I, I'm just giving Will I had a boy. Oh, no, no, and, no. And while getting in the, uh, the, the connections part, because I'm strong. I, I just believe strongly on that because I isolated myself, and it was, a, it was a stupid thing to do. Right. No, let me just tell you. There are two deadly, deadly blades that you point at, that you point at your throat when you start, when you start denying the, the power of each one of them, right? When you don't respect alcohol and you don't respect your your friendships i mean that is i mean your friends especially the people that you're you know your tribal mates i mean they'll intercede in your life when but if you lose that's why staying connected is such a big deal when you yeah. lo- when you lose them and you've isolated yourself and you know and timmy you know i remember you know i the first time timmy told his homeless story it came out of the blue I didn't know anything about it, right? And he said it, and I started texting people. And I might have texted Jeff or, you know, you know, I can't remember. It might have been Dave Furness. Like, did you, I think Timmy just said he was homeless. Did you know that? Like, and it was like, Tim who? I said, Tim Lynch. And like, are you shitting me? And so I was sitting here listening, and Tim starts to tell the story. And, you know, and just, you know, and I, I always say this. The facing movement to the door of destructive behavior is isolation, right? And the way you put yeah. the way you put that movement from a walk to a sprint is you pour alcohol on it. And and let me tell you, if you want to understand the eighty twenty split of how we ha- handle trauma in the Marine Corps and in much of our culture, there you have it. I fake it, yeah. I isolate, and then I self medicate. And that's yeah, and you see, and I stopped drinking when I realized how bad it was. I stopped drinking entirely, right. but I didn't get better because I remained isolated because I was humiliated. Right, right. No, and, yeah. and again, all that it—it's culturally, it's the way we do it. That is the path, right? That is that's the way we do right. it. And and again, but the self-awareness piece um, that, that you mentioned, you know, I mean, but again, even that, I mean, to you know, to to, I mean. Th- to think about what Will's been through the last two years, yeah, I mean, shit, man, that's that's a lot, that's a lot, and and I mean, and then you hear him say, "Yeah, this year wasn't shit compared to last year, right?" All I all I had was cancer. What was the other one, Will? COVID, cancer. <laughs> COVID, I lost, my job. I lost a job. Yeah. <laughs> 
the lost the job story is better than just a little I lost the job. Do you want to tell just the one other part of that story that makes it even better? Can I? Uh, well, I got to be a little careful, you know. I got a, I, I got an agreement signed. Oh, with those people. Okay. And they they treated me very well. So. Okay. All right. I, as opposed to other members of this crew, I prefer not to like expose myself to legal jeopardy on the air. <laughs> Jeffrey. Yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah, I know. I got to save my money because I'll probably get sued by Bing West. Oh, there's statutes of limitations, man. <laughs> the, the anyway. All right. Well. I wanted to have you on and uh, and say Merry Christmas and then uh, hoping that you could help me waste an hour of my uh, of my show because I didn't really feel like working. So I, I certainly appreciate you all hopping on this morning. But uh, hope you all have uh, hope you all have great uh, Christmases and uh, and uh, I will talk to you next week. Merry Christmas, brother. Merry Christmas, guys. Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, listen, um, it sounds like something out of a fucking Christmas movie. The Waltons. Exactly. <laughs> All right. See you later. There you have it. The Mensa Sisters on Christmas Eve. How about that? Um. Yeah. Christmas. The Beach. The Beach Boys. You know, uh, Will said something here that that I will echo, and I started the show with it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people that. You know, their family traditions, you know, you're not going to see on the, on the Disney Channel. And then there's other people, you know, uh, for instance, that, you know, one of the things, you know, guys were talking about was the number of Marines that are going to be in the barracks on Christmas Day with no Christmas tree, with essentially no Christmas. And so uh, if you know people like that, as Will said, you know, pick up the phone, man. And, and I would tell you, better than that, do a Zoom call. Um, we started doing them with our family. Uh, my daughter-in-law-to-be, Sarah, Patrick's fiance, put a Zoom call together for uh, his birthday. And after we got off, I'm like, why haven't we done that? Stupid. And so if you have a chance to do that with somebody who you know is... Uh, whether they're isolated or, or uh, just can't get someplace, uh, do that. Because uh, it makes a difference, as Will said. It makes a difference. And and I think all of us have been in a place where uh, you never, ever appreciate a handout or help or somebody saying hi as much as when you need somebody to do that. And you never forget those people. So uh, on this uh, Christmas Eve, uh, I would encourage you to uh, to do that. But uh, God bless everybody. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And happy holidays uh, to everybody else. And so, uh, um, yeah, for me, um, I mean, this has been the second year of uh, kind of a, a magical uh, part of my life in which... Uh, uh, you know, I spend most of my time helping to change people's lives. And uh, and so, um, but it, it, it affords me a, a view of the pain that a lot of people live with. And um, so I would just um, tell you there's a lot of that out there. Uh, make sure you uh, make sure you reach out and uh, and just uh, extend yourself to people. Uh, from Bev in Saskatchewan, Merry Christmas, or best wishes for a Merry Christmas, Mac. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Bev. And so, uh, anyway, so to everybody out there, uh, have a great Christmas and. I will talk to you on Monday. And most importantly, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. And sadly, in the holidays, a lot of times those people are going to get on your radar. Don't be afraid to ask them two questions. Could I talk to you? And you know there's nothing wrong with you. 
and I can show you a path through the valley of the shadow of death. And then pull your phone out, pull out those three goals and ten commandments and say, take a look at this stuff. And then they will say, are you a therapist? And then they will say, and they will say, are you a therapist? And you'll say, have you ever heard a therapist say the F word this much? And they'll say, uh, no. That's because I'm not a therapist. I'm just a friend, somebody who's been through this, and somebody who knows there's a path, and I, I just want to show you. So just so you know, most people don't need a therapist. They need a coach. They need a steadying hand on their shoulder. They need somebody who they respect who will show them a path through the valley of the shadow of death. And we can all do that. We can all do that. So, and if you're looking for a little help, right, all the contact information on that website comes straight here to me, uh, to my corporate headquarters, which is my Samsung cell phone. So I'm more than happy to help anytime I can. So uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, God bless you. And may God hold you in the palm of his hand. And may he hold that hand close to his heart. So, don't be afraid to change somebody's life. On that note, Merry Christmas. I'm out. Okay.